Good morning. It's May 19th. And welcome to Doing Life, Daily Devotions for Finding Peace in Stressful Times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. This morning's topic is Fighting Words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. I am absolutely against religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. Rabbi Shmuley Botich. I remember writing a paper in high school about individual rights. I don't recall the title, but the theme was basically that in any civil society, my right to swing my fist stops right when it meets your face. In other words, I was free to act in any way that expressed my desires as long as it didn't personally harm anyone else. See Doing Life, April 26. Logically, the right to free speech in the United States would be expected to follow the same pattern, but legal challenges in the last several decades have sought to define exactly what constitutes harm. There are certain words spoken in public, such as racial epitaphs, that are considered fighting words, and some states consider these harmful enough to restrict the use of such terms if, in fact, they have tremendous potential to incite a violent response. The claims of Christ to be the only route to salvation and reconciliation with God fall exactly into that category for some people, and as such, the Christian claim to exclusivity is one of the common objections to Christianity. That claim is, in fact, viewed as offensive to those of other faiths. In other words, fighting words. There are moral and very good people who devote their entire lives to helping others who, in fact, profess no faith at all. How can it be that a belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God can be the only route to heaven? This claim is at the very least politically incorrect in our current relativistic, pluralistic society that values tolerance over every other virtue. For the Christian, devoting a few moments to contemplating this extremely common objection is well worthwhile. The following points are worth consideration. First, many religions claim exclusivity. Muslims believe Islam is absolutely the only valid faith and that the Quran in Arabic is the only legitimate written revelation of God. Hinduism professes that the law of karma, reincarnation, and the authority of the Vedas are inviolate. But Buddhism, for example, was born out of Gautama Buddha's rejection of those very same Vedas. Sikhism, on the other hand, rejects both Buddhism and Hinduism as false. Judaism claims worship of the one true God and rejects all other worship as false. Atheists reject any religious belief as false. Every one of these perspectives is just as exclusivist as Christianity. Second, truth, by very definition, is exclusionary. If one thing is true, then anything contradicting it must be false. Truth excludes its opposite, as philosophers tell us. The late Ravi Zacharias, D.D.L.L.D., internationally renowned author, lecturer, theologian, admits that Christians have a checkered history down through the centuries of presenting the truth with arrogance, not undergirded by love, and their condescension has often led to rejection and violent opposition. There is an Indian proverb he relates often. Once you cut off a person's nose, there's no point in giving him a rose to smell. Mahatma Gandhi was fond of saying, I like your Jesus Christ very much. It's just your Christians I don't care for. But despite Christians' frequent cultural insensitivity, Dr. Zacharias 
points out in Strobel's The Case for Faith that he knows of no Christianized country where one's life is in danger for professing another faith, as it is for Christians in some Muslim and Hindu countries today. Many men have claimed to be God, from Caesar to multiple cult leaders. So why believe Christ? Recognizing that Jesus never made a claim shown to be untrue and showed no signs whatsoever of mental illness, C.S. Lewis famously stated that Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, and there was just no evidence for the first two. Theologians tell us all religions may be examined for coherence in terms of origins, morality, meaning, and destiny. Christianity asserts man was created by God, fashioned in his image, with a moral code derived from God's character. The Christian derives meaning from loving God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. Their destiny is eternity with their creator, made possible by the historically verifiable and widely witnessed resurrection of Christ, who conquered death and allows believers to do the same. No other religion has coherent, non-contradictory positions in all four of these areas. But does this invalidate the world's other religions? Aren't they basically the same? Don't they all teach about a loving Father God and the brotherhood of man? The answer to that is an unequivocal and resounding no. Buddhism believes in no God. Hinduism believes we are God. Brotherhood is restrictive in both Islam and Judaism. The world's religions do not teach anywhere near the same things, and while they each have aspects of truth in them, they are mutually exclusive and missing the big picture. It's really not like the blind man exploring the parts of the elephant and having their own truths. The seeing man knows there's only one truth, and it's an elephant. Philosophers who believe all religions have a part of the truth ignore the possibility that God revealed himself to mankind, and he did in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the truth. How can Christians believe a man like Gandhi may not go to heaven, but a redeemed mass murderer can? Because we humans see justice from our own standpoint. From God's standpoint, we are all deserving of death ever since we rebelled and rejected him. If we all miss the mark by sinning, then God's grace becomes the most important aspect of life, not strictly our behavior. God has offered a way back to him, and it's not by being as good as possible because we can never be as good as required. The way back came through his son, and our faith in him leads to our own repentance, forgiveness, and redemption. Then we are seen by God as having Christ's perfect righteousness. All the world's religions except one offer a set of instructions on how to climb the mountain to God, nirvana, or some ethereal concept of perfection and peace. Only Christianity teaches that God came down the mountain to us, became fully man, and offered us salvation as a gift that we in no way deserved. How God deals with Gandhi is up to God, but what he has offered us through Christ is made clear in the word. What about the person raised in a culture where they never hear the gospel, never meet a Christian, have never heard of Christ? Romans 1 tells us that God's attributes and eternal power have been on display since creation, exhibited in all of nature every single day. If Pascal is right, and there's a God-sized hole in all of us, a person of any culture and from any place can fall on their knees and beg to know God. In both the Muslim and Hindu worlds, thousands have come to Christ through dreams and visions, even having never met a Christian. 
There is always a way in which God can respond to those who earnestly seek him and make them aware of his grace. In your quiet time today, examine your own thoughts and deeds. My guess is you will find aspects of your life that you don't feel are stellar examples of morality. We are all sinners, and those of us who have recognized it and accepted God's grace through Christ on the cross have conquered death already. That is peace. It's this love God has shown to us that allows us to love our fellow man. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask, how can we ever thank you for the gracious gift of Christ and the redemption we have been granted through faith? Help us to remember that the answer is loving you with our entire selves and passing that love on to those around us. Guide us, Spirit, so that when we tell others of Christ's love, we find a way to do that without seeming arrogant or rude or condescending, but instead brokenhearted for those that are missing that peace of which we are assured. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.